The Eucharist is the new tree of life. That is how Jesus speaks of this bread which comes down from heaven in our gospel today. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the desert, but they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. The bread which comes down from heaven is greater than the manna, the manna which God gave to the Israelites as they wandered in the desert. For while the manna merely nourished physical life, the Eucharist, the bread from heaven, will bestow upon those who receive it um, eternal life. Many saints and commentators agree that Jesus, when he's speaking about the bread which gives eternal life, he is referring to the tree of life. If you remember this from, from the book of Genesis, in the Garden of Eden, there are two trees which are named, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which Adam and Eve were uh, forbidden from, from eating, and the tree of life, the food of which could bestow immortality. After the fall of our first parents, Adam and Eve, after, after they eat of, the tree of the, uh, eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they're expelled from the garden so that they can't eat of the fruit of the tree of life. Yet now Christ is offering us the fruit of the new tree of life, his very flesh and blood under the appearance of bread and wine in the Eucharist. You know, there is a vague allusion to the cross in our gospel today. Uh, Jesus says uh, at the end, the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. He will give his flesh for the life of the world on the cross. The cross down to the ages has been called the new tree of life. And uh, while Christ was on the cross, he was pierced in the side and out of his pierced side flowed blood and water. Uh, the water symbolizing baptism, the blood symbolizing the Eucharist. So down through the ages, we've understood the fruit of the cross, the new tree of life, to be uh, twofold. Baptism, which bestows um, the supernatural life of grace upon us, and the Eucharist, which nourishes and preserves, increases and strengthens the supernatural life of grace within us. You know, since the fall of our first parents, death seemed to always have the last word. You know, after, after Adam and Eve fell, all men, whether they were rich or poor, famous or anonymous, good or evil, in the end, all men died and no one came back from the grave until Christ conquered the grave and death no longer had the last word. Uh, he conquered the grave through his cross and resurrection, the cross, the new tree of life, uh, we, uh, uh, and we can partake of the fruit of this new tree of life by partaking of the sacraments Christ instituted. You know, one, one thing about the sacraments, we need to be disposed to receive them, right? It, it, the sacraments aren't magic. Um, and, and here's what I mean by that, right? So when we talk about being disposed to receive the Eucharist, to receive the Eucharist fruitfully, really there are two things we mean by that. First, we need to be in a state of grace, okay? Um, the Eucharist is given to nourish that supernatural life of grace within us, that, that supernatural life of grace that's begun in baptism. If we commit a mortal sin, um, a serious grave sin with full knowledge and free will, then we, we have severed that life of grace within us, and we need to go to confession um, before we, we come back to Holy Communion. So that's the first thing. We need to be in the state of grace. Secondly, we need to have a right and devout intention. 
I came across this, I, I kind of stumbled across this decree from Pope St. Pius X on frequent communion. He was encouraging frequent communion for a lot of reasons. Um, communion was people, people rarely would go to communion. In fact, the church had to establish a precept that at a minimum, Catholics were required to receive communion once a year at Holy Communion. Now, you had to go to Mass every Sunday, uh, but in part because of the fast. You know, the fast was much harder. It was from midnight the night before and, 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 and for a few other reasons. Um, very few people went to communion regularly. So Pope Pius X, uh, Pope St. Pius X was trying to change that. But anyways, he talks about uh, the need to first and foremost be in the state of grace, but secondly, to have a right and devout intention. What is a right and devout intention? Well, he explains, quote, a right intention consists in this, that he who approaches the holy table should do so, not out of routine or vainglory or human respect, but that he wished to please God, to be more closely united with him by charity, and to have recourse to this divine remedy for his weaknesses, for his weakness and defects, end quote. You know, when I read that, when I came across that, what hit me like a hammer was the word routine. We are creatures of habit, and the Mass is a ritual. Part of that ritual is Holy Communion. It is very easy for us to go on autopilot and to routinely receive our Lord, not truly reflecting on the profound gift that we're receiving, the, the medicine of immortality, the antidote for death, the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ under the appearance of bread and wine. When we finally return to Mass and are once again uh, permitted to receive the bread which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world, the medicine of immortality, let us resolve to receive our Lord with that right and devout intention. Let us resolve to receive our Lord uh, not out of routine, but out of a sincere desire to please God to be more closely united with him, and to have recourse to the divine remedy of the Eucharist for our weakness and defects.